Welcome to my anonymous friend. Now here are your hosts, Timmy Cox and Jennifer. Welcome to my anonymous friend. Susie, Tammy's mom, is here with us today. Tell me about the day that you discovered your husband had contracted AIDS. But before you do, let's go back and give some history. Yeah, so you were the second born in a family of 10 children. You married your first husband, Matthew, my father, at age 22. Mm. You had your first child one year later, and your second child, me, 19 months after your first. At age 26, when you were pregnant with your third child, was when you found out that my dad had a secret life. You decided to forgive his unfaithful lifestyle because he committed to changing his ways. And then four years after when he had received some blood work results, you found out that he, my father, was HIV positive. Oh my gosh. Five and a half years later, in 1993, was when he got sick and died. That's right. So, where to begin, Jen? Where do we even begin to dive into this story? This was was in the 1980s when he contracted AIDS, right? Mm -hmm. So, that was a big thing. So, did you know if he was sleeping with women, how many women... I mean, because the 80s was a big time for a rise for HIV and AIDS. Correct. So I got married in 1979. I did not figure that my husband was out with anybody at that time. So um, you didn't figure, but didn't you tell me earlier that you had found out when you guys were dating that there was some mischievous... Some mischievous behavior. So wait, was she warned? Were you ever warned about this guy, your dad, my father, your father? Well, I should have figured. Well, I should have figured it out. But didn't your mom? Didn't your mother warn you a little bit? She did, but it was not direct. Yeah, yeah. She kind of hinted, hinted. around. Uh-huh. What would she say? Um. Oh, that she would talk to somebody at the grocery store that had met him before, and he. Was not the most appropriate. Should we now say? the grocery store—that's where you met Dad. Well, not at that grocery oh, store. Oh, it's another grocery so store. He just like going to grocery store. I think he likes to go to grocery stores. Yeah, that's where he found all his victims. <clears throat> okay, so when you say victims, <clears throat> it sounds like he had maybe a sex addiction, oh, very or much. right? Yes, would you... I would say that that describes it perfectly. Okay. Yeah. And of course that wasn't a term back then. It's a term now we use. It's a term now, but he yeah. just, right. okay. So you were married to him how long, um, before he contracted HIV? Well, how I found out is he got caught with somebody and that husband wanted to contact me. So my husband Ooh. quickly confessed that, there was something going on be- between him and he. This was actually um, an adult babysitter who is married with children. Yeah, we even have some pictures. Yes, we have some pictures with her and her daughter. Because wasn't her daughter my age or something? Possibly. Yeah. So wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. he was sleeping with her with my babysitter. Yes. Yeah. Right. 
So when I went to work, that's when this situation would happen. Yeah, where was I? Was I in well, the crib were. or something? No. Where was I? Oh, my god. We're somewhere. I was in my room. I probably witnessed some of this behavior. Okay, and so yeah. you decided to stay with him. You decided to forgive him for cheating and move on. And you thought everything was perfect. You thought he was well, transforming. I wouldn't say it was perfect, but I... Uh, you know, you have to remember, this is the first that I knew about this. So I was in a state of shock. Mm-hmm. Um, I did tell him, however, that um, I could forgive him for this at this point. But if he was going to continue, that would be when I'd have to make a, a sharp decision. Well, Mom, did you ever think, did you contemplate leaving at this point? Did you contemplate like, hey, could I make it work? Could I take my three yes. kids? Could I find somewhere? Could I make my... Because I know a lot of people, when they come into these situations, they don't feel like they're in a place to get out of the marriage. They Correct. feel like they're financially um, bound. Right. So I was pregnant. I was halfway through my pregnancy when I found this out. So I did have to look at that. I had to look at what would life look like if I stayed with him or what would it look like if I left. And to leave him made me sad. It would mean that my children were not going to be able to live with their dad. Mm -hmm. And that made me sad. However, I wasn't going to be able to live with him continuing this either. So it was a hard choice to make. But over time, I could see that he was deeply grieved by what he did. He saw how it affected me negatively, how it broke my heart. That was the day my my heart got broken. Mm. So here I am pregnant, brokenhearted, and I have this big decision to make. And I it I it took some time. And um, how much time did it take you, Mom? Like how how long? Well, were it you? it. It happened before I delivered, so it had to be maybe two months down the road or something. But did you make him, like, sleep on the couch or anything, or did you climb in bed? or? I don't know. I I think I would have just been like, hey, why don't you go ahead and, um, you know, take that tent and set it up in the backyard for (laughs) a little while, like a a legit doghouse, you know what I'm saying, Ma? I'm I'm sure there was some sort of separation of sorts, Mm -hmm. like what you're saying, but I don't know how long that took. But at this point, you did not know that he contracted AIDS. Correct. So what, four, four and a half years later, after after you find out about his unfaithfulness, you choose to forgive him, you choose right. to move forward, right? Right. Four and a half years later is this just when... pops up? No. Well, so he goes in for life insurance policy, Correct. right, Mom? Correct, uh-huh. And um, he gets blood work drawn, and you he gets the results back, but you know he was, what, you said he was scared to tell you the results. Well, what happened was um, the test results came back, and because it was the early 80s, well, mid-80s, I guess, by this time, um, the doctor's office kept calling saying, we need to see you, you need to come in. They cannot give that information over the phone. So we knew that something was up, and we knew that that was a possibility. Um, You did know it was a possibility. Yes, because, you know, AIDS had just come out. It was relatively a new thing, uh, but... So why? W- w- that's a big jump to think, to even think in your mind that he could have that. 
he had the sexual addiction. So but that but would be still, my first thought if the doctor wanted to see me. I'd be like, oh, it's probably shown up now. Yeah, but, uh, being someone that had sexual addictions, of course it's going to be something that we're thinking about. Yeah. I mean, what are they looking for in these tests? They're looking for um, things your, that might take yeah. your life early. So, Oh, did he? That's what I was going to say. Did you start, before this came out, did you did he start having any symptoms of anything? No. 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 So here you you find out, that your husband has been unfaithful. Then four and a half years later, after you chose to forgive him, you find out he has AIDS. I want to know where your head's at when you find this out and what is your thought process? Is there any plan for you to get out of it at this point? Or are you like, I'm fully in this, I'm fully committed to this man, and I'm going to ride this out to the end with him? Yeah. Tell me about that. Okay. So um, that four and a half years before this, I had already committed to stay with him because Mm -hmm. he had made such significant changes and he wanted to be with his family. I wanted us to have a family. So I had already made the decision to stay with him and keep the family intact. But when I found out this information, you know, it was the nightmare of my life. It would be the nightmare of anybody's life. Yeah. And um, so it wasn't, there was no thought of leaving at this point. Um, And of course, I I didn't leave him. Um, You know, I was holding his hand the day he passed from this life to the next. You loved him so much. I did. I was dedicated. Yeah. But here's the thing, Mom. It's like, here, here you were making this decision, right? But then, like I remember asking you years ago, when all this news came out, like there was this frenzy about AIDS, right? They were saying things like, oh, you could get it from sitting on the toilet seat or drinking out of the same cup. And here you were with your three kids, with this man you know has HIV. And what, what were the thoughts in your head? Because a lot of moms for that time period would have been like, don't touch the kids. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. Don't this don't even like, you know what I'm saying? What was your thought process? Because I know, I know the answer to this, but I want our listeners to listen to, to to your thoughts about how you felt in, in that position. Okay. Good question. I'm going to say that, um, I was, uh, I'm a woman of faith. And I had already been on the road for a long time at this point. I trusted God more than I trusted the media and what they were saying. So I had to weigh out, like, is this valid or not? Are my kids really in danger? Um, I had to pray and to trust God that he was going to take care of my family. And indeed, he did. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's great. It's a great story of faith. So you just, when those thoughts would creep in, You'd say, nope, I'm choosing, I'm choosing to believe that God is going to protect me and my kids. That's correct. Right. And did you do anything preventative when it came to sex? I didn't. <laughs> so, well, well, I shouldn't say that. Yeah. Yes. There was, there was some changes. Right. Right. Because, um, from what I know now, dad had definitely contracted AIDS in some point of our being conceived, right? Between so. my older sister and my younger brother, at some point, he had contracted AIDS. So you had known at that point that even though he contracted AIDS, you didn't, and your kids didn't. 
So were you then, did you go into getting tested yourself? Yes. So, so right after he found out that he had it, then the doctors were calling me in. Well, I was not ready for this. I had just found out the wor- worst news of my life. Nightmare. And, um, and I stalled to go in because I had to prepare myself. Because I had to look at the fact that if I had it, now my children were going to be orphans mm-hmm. at the expense of their father's mm-hmm. sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the interesting part, I remember when we were growing up and we had those friends where the husband got it first and then he gave it to his wife, remember? Yes. And we were there when she was dying. Right. After he had already died and we were sitting there with the kids. Right. Oh my gosh, that is And I remember you telling me, you know, because I think at this point I was like, you know, later teenage years and I remember thinking man, this could have been, we could have been these kids who had lost their dad and are now losing their mom. And that, that could have been our, that could have been our experience as well. Yes. So, so here you are reluctant to go in, reluctant to take that test. How long do you think it took you to finally take it? I probably took it within the week of him finding out. I was waiting for those results. Oh, Did it you, was you, hard. You kids got the test too? No, or, no. no. They always they always go to the parents. Um, I just remember taking my son in at this point because the girls were in school. My son was three and a half. I was holding his hand going down to the the laboratory where they were going to take my blood test, and he asked, why are we here? He did at three and a half. Uh-huh. What, what are we doing and I just thought to myself, if you only knew what I was doing, mm-hmm. it was really it was really hard. So I did stall, but mm-hmm. then I went in, and my results came out negative. So that was it, or like a rapid test, or did it take time, or I think it. I don't know. I don't know if it took a week, or I'm not sure. Because what I'm saying during that time, what were you feeling during that time of waiting for the test? Were you you were already going to forgive him and, and go on, but did you have a plan in place, like if this happens, or you had the faith to just go through it? I was going to stay. I'm I'm committed. I'm going to stay no matter what. I love who I love, and that's and how heart. it goes. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and he was not an easy person to love, mother. No, he wasn't. He's was not an easy person to love. That's true. Um, but my mom is a very committed woman and a very faithful woman, so she hung around. And you took care of him when he started showing symptoms and getting sick, didn't you? Yes, but even that was a short time. Yeah, he you was know, Because only... at, at the end of all this, he was only really sick, I'm going to say, for maybe five months. So it wasn't an extended period. It, it happened to be when the kids were getting ready to go back to school. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a very you challenging like the weight time. Of, of the world on your shoulders. Yeah. What were you thinking about life moving forward? Because I'm sure when you when you said my worst fear has come come to be, which reminds me of Job, by the way. Mm-hmm. But um, when you say that. I want to know where your mind was going. What's the fear? Is the fear losing him? Is the fear of what, what's the fear exactly? Tell me about it. Um, I would say, let's see, what was my fear beforehand? The fear was just losing him in general. So the fear was losing him, right? You thought that was like your greatest fear. 
Right. And how will I go on? So how will, I should say, how will we go on? Can you get to the bottom of that fear if you keep, keep following it down? So how will we go on? Keep going. I, I just couldn't see past what our life would be like when he was gone. So meaning, was it the, was it the vantage point of like my kids not having a father or me not having a husband or what, like what's, what's the fear? Oh, that's another good one to think about. I, I'm not certain, but most of my fears were about my kids and what their life was going to be like. So right. not so the fear was about your kids not having a father. Right. Yeah. Feeling the abandonment. Because it, right. it's good to know wh- what the actual fear is, right? We right. To have a general fear, let's get to the bottom of what the actual fear is. Is it me not having a spouse? Me not having this particular person? M- my kids not having this particular father, mm-hmm. like, you know what I'm saying? Right. And I, and I will just add this, that I remember just letting myself, I think it was just one time, look beyond to see what my life could be like after he was gone, if he was mm-hmm. going to be gone. And I remember looking at that picture like I could get remarried and have a different life. Yeah. At what um, point did you look at that? I just looked at it briefly one time, probably towards the end, because I could see that this was not going to turn around. Oh, oh God. So yes. I allowed myself to look at it, but then I put it right back in because I didn't want to dwell on that. I had a task to do in the present. Mm-hmm. So I had to be very present. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't longing to be with somebody else or anything like that. You are just open. No daydreaming? No. No, no daydreaming. <laughs> that was not part... Yeah. So seriously, said, I, I wasn't. So you said you were at his side the day that he passed and took care of him and everything like yes. that. So when the the day was coming and how did you feel? What were your thoughts when you started realizing, okay, this is probably it? How do you get kids prepared for that? How do you um, talk to your kids? What is the communication? Like, what are your feeling? Um, did you get your church involved? Because... You know, it it's funny when we think about it is we're like, our family's going to be right there when our, you know, something traumatic happens, but it's sometimes not your that's family true. that's there. So that's I just true. wanted to ask you. Oh, well, that's a great question too. People don't know what to do when people they love are in a situation like that. So we actually, I think it was friends that said, we need to do a meeting here. And this was shortly before he died because they could see that we needed help. and But people don't know what to do. Even family members that loved us dearly just didn't know what to do. So they brought them, brought us, brought them all together and just, I think, probably gave practical things to do. And then it started changing, but that was seriously right before he passed away. Well, so, I, remember, I remember people taking us kids out. Right. You know, because dad, at this point, my dad was on the couch 24-7. He couldn't really move. Didn't do much. Yeah, what did from, you feel like? He he went from being like this big, full of energy guy to just dwindling into nothing. He lost how much weight did he lose? I don't know, maybe fifty pounds. He was and a big he man. was just he was a very muscular big guy, and he just kind of was saggy skin and just like it's like he aged 
a hundred years it felt like to me when I look back in just five months in five months she deteriorated like that I know obviously there's no cure there's no medication but they didn't try to prolong anything like yeah they do he was on drugs at that time okay yeah well what ultimately took him out was a brain hemorrhage Okay. Yeah, I you want to talk about the brain hemorrhage, Mom? Right. Uh, let me just interject this little piece. AIDS comes in different packages, and what he was suffering from was um, his organs were turning against him. So it, his body was fighting the organs. So the organs were starting to shut down. And that form of AIDS is usually quicker and harder because your all your systems are breaking down. So that was going on. But what really took his life is when he was up in the middle of the night uh, looking in the cupboards for ma- pain medication. I put it right next to him on the, on the table next to the bed, but he was delirious and didn't know that or didn't, I don't know what that was all about. But anyway, he was in the kitchen scrounging around for pills that were not there and he, he fell backwards. And falling backwards, he hit the back of his head. And then a day and a half later, it caught up with him. And it was a, a bleed because he had low platelets. So that means um, you could bleed to death internally. So was he, so he was at home for a day and a half, or did he go to the ER? And- I, well, I remember this very vividly. It was a Saturday night when he fell, because I remember the next morning, he didn't go get up to go to church. Yeah. And even though he was very, very sick, he went to church every Sunday. And I remember him showing us the bloody, the bloody. Oh, so he was still gash like, on the okay. back of his head. It was like a strawberry mark or it something. It was like it was bleeding. I remember it. And um, this was a Sunday, and I remember the sun. Okay, it was a very weird Sunday. We didn't go to church, but the next morning on the Monday, he was like out of it he was I just remember being like what happened to dad he was like weird right he wasn't making sense right so and I remember when you told us like go say goodbye to your dad he's going to the hospital it was like he was not the same it was not my dad it was like he was his mind was not all there right so you could tell the change right so it was a, an immediate downturn for him. And then the ambulance came to pick him up, took him to the hospital. And then we were there for hours. We had lots of people come and visit and stuff. But it wasn't until the evening. So that was about noon that, that they came and got him. We were there um, the rest of the day and into the evening. And it wasn't until a certain point that the nurses came out to me and said, your husband's uh, blood pressure is going down. You need to go stand next to him. They had missed this whole thing. So, so you had no idea that he was going down. We didn't know point. he was dying because they were trying to revive him to go back home. So I'm thinking, okay, they think he's going to go back home. I'm looking at him thinking. You didn't he's... know when. You didn't know when the turn happened, though. You didn't know when it went from like. Because you you said they they um, he was dehydrated, so they gave him yeah they hydrated they him. hydrated him so they can t- so we could t- take him home later right so I was in that mindset like oh they're trying to make him better but I'm thinking he doesn't look like he's able to go home but I'm still thinking okay that's what they're trying to do but then at the very end it happened really quick where his blood pressure started going 
going down. And I know the staff was thinking, oh, my gosh, we missed this. So they came out to me. What and do you think that they missed, though? Yeah, that's, that's, what, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm not they understanding. They didn't realize how sick he was. So you think that there was something that they could have done because the words, they missed something kind of breeds this like idea that they, they should have that they done should've. something that they I think could've. so. I think so. I think they what thought... What do you think that they could have done? I don't know what they could have done. I don't think they... They just didn't know. I don't hold it against them. But they didn't know what we're not they, understanding what you're they saying. They didn't think that he was close to death when he came in. So they were just trying to but get... But you're making it sound like there was something preventative that they could have done. But you don't actually know that there was anything preventative. Right. So what they tried to do was get him a brain scan. Okay. Oh. To see what's going on. Because now they're realizing, uh-oh, uh, this is not what we thought. So, so they just thought he might have fell, he might have got hurt or had right. some confusion. And, just, right. and they already knew that he was already sick. Right. Um, so they already knew that he was sick. So at this point, now they're like, okay, there's something else going on. So they did the brain scan the brain scan you know what i don't think they actually made it to the brain scan it was what they were hoping to do so they're just guessing along is what you're saying to what to do but the brain scan they never got to you know what i forgot it no that's okay okay. so that's fine so tell us how long ago was this right after that so we know how long ago was this this was 29 years ago 29 years ago okay so we're talking a long time ago so He's right at the end. They tell you, go ahead and stand by your husband. And that's when you realize, oh, he's on his way out. Correct. Right. So it was in it was in minutes. I'm going to say it wasn't even five minutes when that blood pressure started going down. His dad happened to be there. So his dad was holding me. I was holding him. I was holding his hand. So um, it was a special moment. It's a sad moment. But you know what? It's a sacred moment, too. What, tell me about that moment. Tell me what you felt. Well, I got to hang on to him for the rest of his life. I was with him for the rest of the time. I loved him to the end. And that's, a, you know. <laughs> I told her to put, I told her to put <laughs> tissues right here. We were yeah. supposed to have tissues. This is good, Did though. It? This is good. They it's wrong. No, you're going to use the rug now. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jen always uses the rug to wipe her tears. So at that point, so what was special about that? Um, well, when when a, a believer leaves this life, they go, go right into the hands of God immediately. So he went from my hands into, to our Father's hands where he got his complete healing. So that's the beautiful part of this story. He, he was free. From the struggles of his life, he was free from a crippling disease. He was set free. And I was so happy that day for him. Our sadness showed up in a big way. But his happiness, after all those years of suffering emotionally, he was made. He was healed and made whole. So you looked at, you believed, and you looked at the positive and had faith that Absolutely. This was a new new beginning for him. Oh, it's That's so right. beautiful. Oh it's so beautiful yes. to watch a person pass from this world to the next. It, it is. is my it is like one of my favorite. I know this was, is going to sound weird, but I I think the transition of going from f- physical to non-physical is the most beautiful experience. I I listen to so many people that have the near near death experiences 
And when they talk about it and they're and and they are transitioning, they're like, it feels like coming home. Did he? And say they any don't of ever that? want it. They don't ever. My dad talked about talked about when he got to go to heaven he talked about it for like i remember solid two months he was telling everyone how excited he was so was he able to communicate anything with you no because no. at a certain point he stopped talking oh in the process of being at the hospital you know friends would come in he had a lot of dear friends he was a magnet to people uh, he loved people but he was a broken man and so he would have people our closest friends and family members came, and he was talking to them, you know, and it was a sweet time, but there got a point where he, I don't know if he went into a coma maybe, or he just went to sleep. I'm not a sure. A coma-like state. Yeah. Possibly, uh, where he stopped talking. So. When you say he stopped talking, that's so weird, because most people, they either drift off into sleep, or like it is like, oh, I'm thinking about his mom when she was going and when she went off into a coma, remember they couldn't give her enough morphine to knock her out. And then they finally gave her enough morphine and she fell asleep. And then she could, we waited there for her to go and she would not go. So after the passing of your husband, how did you tell the kids? Well, my kids were at my sister's house at the time. So I'm trying to remember if I remember it perfectly. I came back that night because I you think he back. passed about nine o'clock. So it was I, a very weird day. We had no idea what was going on, and when you walked in the house, it was very obvious what had happened because you were, your face was red. You could tell you had been crying. So how did you feel <laughs> when you saw that at the age of eleven? Like. You don't get a lot of things, but I just knew something super significant had happened. Dad wasn't with you. I don't know that I could. I don't know that I could tell. Yeah. So, what were you feeling at that point, Tam? I don't think I could talk right now. Okay. What What were you ready to tell your kids? Well, I had to tell them the sad news which was going to be really hard because we, he didn't go to the hospital that day because he was dying. He was going there to get better. Yeah, we had no idea. So they didn't have any idea. Neither did I in the hospital. I didn't have any idea that that was his last day. That's not what we were thinking. It's not what any of us knew. So now I was going to have to share the hardest news that a parent could share with their kids, that their father would not be coming back. That's hard. Yeah. I couldn't Im- Yeah. I couldn't in the- imagine that. Yeah. And so my youngest was nine, Tammy was 11, and my oldest daughter was almost 13. It was hard for every all of them. It was hard for all of them. Which one do you think took it the hardest or that you had to really focus on because you were you the, the way they reacted to it? Hmm. Well, my oldest daughter is special needs and special needs um, they react differently than common. So she she heard didn't cry it. At, yeah, she didn't right. Cry she did not all. cry, and she was very close to her dad because she was an early riser in the morning, and so was he. So they had time together that the other two did not have. Plus, she was the oldest, so she had more years with them. So 
They she, just they just had a connection too. I'll just say that too. Uh-huh. Um, they just had a, a connection that my brother and I didn't have with my dad. It just really it just really amazes me that you went through all that. You had a child with special needs. You had three kids. You had the church. You had everything that you were going through, and you just look at how amazing you are you're standing here today your life is completely different right yes, it, it's yes. changed yeah yeah, let, yeah let's talk about yeah. that so a- after he goes right, right after dad passes here you are in this state now unlike i i do want to go back and just preface it by saying you didn't tell us kids till about a month before dad died so we didn't have a lot to process what was about to happen not that we could have wrapped our head around it it, around it anyways because we hadn't experienced death yet but dad goes it's new for us but it wasn't new for you because you had prepared you had prepared to bury your husband for years correct i i started the grieving process even though i didn't know that i did so i could start working through things but my hope was still that he would never die, that he, this right. would not take yeah. him. So you have to know till the very end, my hope and prayer was that he would be able to stay with us, that maybe God would heal him or extend his life in some way. Um, so I had that knowledge. But the reason I didn't share it with my kids is when they were young and uh, w- the way we got treated um, because AIDS was still relatively new at that time, is there was a lot of people that couldn't hang with our the heaviness of our situation, and they probably thought you could get AIDS different ways too than what's really true. And so we had people exodus our life, and that was really painful wow. for us. Um, yeah, I remember you having told me that um, Dad opened up with you you weren't the type to open that up, but he he would share that with people, and then all of a sudden, the friends started going away when they would find out. Right. So what I wanted to do is protect my kids because it was all about my kids. You know, they didn't ask for this. You know, so um, you didn't either, Mom. <laughs> I didn't ask for it either. But you guys, but but you guys are you kids. Felt like we were You're the kids. innocent ones. In yes. It. So I would, I, it was really me trying to protect you from kids at school that were Mm going to say things and hurt your feelings Mm -hmm. and talk about you because of what their dad did. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, that was me. I didn't want you to be hurt any more than you were going to be hurt. So Mm -hmm. we waited until he looked, the sickness became so evident that we had to share Mm -hmm. so you could start grieving Mm -hmm. and know that. It's not looking good mm-hmm. in the future. Did you know what that was at, at 11? Oh, I had no... I didn't even know what sex was. Okay. I was very sheltered. Like, my, I came from a very sheltered... My dad was especially controlling about what we knew and learned. So I had no idea what sex was. Okay. I had no idea how, any of it. So okay. when they said he's dying, I was like, okay, that's interesting. I thought we all were. Because we are. We're, we're all dying. I know that. I 10 know out of the, 10 people die. Yeah. I know the fatality of man, and I know we don't stay in this avatar all that but long. But at 11, it's re- that, that's something but that's at 11, really... But at 11, I didn't have those three adult hormones, and that's when I understood, okay, my dad's not coming back. Like, I didn't understand the finale of death. 
physical oh, death. Man. So um, here's the direction I want to take this in because I want I want everyone to hear the hope at the end of the of the journey, and that's that you did you didn't stay in the grief. The grief passed rather quickly, yeah. even though um, you you met Pop Pop, the man my kids call Pop Pop, their beloved grandfather, really their only grandfather that they know. Um, you met him. Actually, you met him before. <laughs> my dad because he was your high school sweetheart you guys oh, had broken my up gosh. you guys had broken up um and he found out that dad transitioned and he he i know that the way he's spoken about you in the past was like he idealized you as the one that got away oh. and when he found out you were available again he wanted to make sure his opportunity was gonna be wait Wait, wait, wait. So how long did you date him in high school? I just have to ask that. Well, we, we were first loves. So we, we were together for two years. And then there was, you know, we, we separated. And we each went on to live our lives. I, I got married, and then he he waited a long time before he got married. But um, that didn't work out very he well. Wanted, he wanted you. He was like my one and true and only. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, he kind of did. Like, did. yeah, I mean, so like it, when awesome. so when he finds out about my dad's transition, he's like, <laughs> "Okay, here's my opportunity." So he made sure that he was the first one knocking on your door. He was the I'm first off. one in line. But you have to you have to know that I still had to make sure I didn't have AIDS. Yeah. So that was something I had to check off the box. The other thing I thought to myself is who want somebody whose husband died of AIDS, who has three kids, and one of those kids is special needs. So severely. Yeah. Like, severely. Oh, like no. what kind of person would want somebody like that? Somebody who's been waiting since high school to have your heart back. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay, you answered the mystery. I think that I he, think I think he over, the years, so over the years he did question his decision <laughs> but did. but the good news is that the good news is that they're still married um life is amazing there's been you know it wasn't there wasn't all the years that led up till now were not great with him and my siblings and I but um through our growing process and i think that's just because we we were all grieving. You were still grieving after dad died. I feel like you were grieving for years into your marriage, even with pop pop, mm. um, because that's the grieving process is not immediate. And sometimes, and it doesn't matter if it overlaps. It's not like you have yeah. to go all the way through the grieving process before you start over again. It just means that, you know, there's different components to it, but like we were all grieving and he came in. So he, he came into he came a hot into mess. A real hot mess. And but God I, put him there I for feel, a reason. I feel bad for him now, but but the good news is that we've pulled through all that, and it's like so good now. And it, I think it could only be this good if it was so bad then. Right. So so here we are. And how many how many years have you been married to Pop Pop now? Uh, twenty seven and a half. Yeah, twenty seven. And then you went on to have another one. Right. With Pop Pop, another child, her fourth child, she was 39. Almost 39. Almost 39. Starting over again with another child, and he's now, Christopher's now 27. 26. 26. Gosh, I'm way off here. 
Christopher's now 26. And um, what is life like now? Oh, what's it like now? Well, it's peachy. Yeah. You have four kids. How many grandkids? Well, we have seven altogether. Two were bonus, bonus. kids that came with one of the marriages. So, yeah. Got a grandkids hoping for some more somewhere. Do some you, grandkids some more? Do you? Yeah. Oh, oh, Chris. Oh, sure. Um, I, I was just making sure you weren't looking at me because I'm done having the babies. Oh, are you? Yeah. Okay. She thinks. She thinks. <gasps> Guys, I'm calling it now. Don't. Why would you do a boy. that to me? Don't do that to me. A I don't want to have a baby past 40. No, thanks. You don't even look it, so why do you Doesn't care? It doesn't matter. I don't. You don't feel it. You don't look it. You look. I don't want another baby. <laughs> Dang it, Jen. So what I just want to say, I'm jinxing her, so expect one in like nine months. Okay. Get ready, Derek. I so um, I wanted to just say that um, it was so amazing hearing your story because I know a lot of people out there have been through some of the things that you've been through and just how you got through it and how you're still standing and how your life really did change because you truly believed and took action. Yes. And so it's, it's truly inspiring. Well, oh, and then think about you. it. If, if how encouraging is it to, yeah. to hear someone with a radical testimony that are living happily ever after, I like know. how, how awesome is that? It's, it's like, beautiful. it, it kind of gives the, for me, it gives the, story of no matter what you've been through, you have the ability to create a life of complete bliss. And that's all up to you. Yeah. So mom, aside from like, what, what would be your quote, your life first, or what, what's your life first? What, what verse do you want to share with our viewers that would wrap your whole life story up with a bow? Uh, well, there's so many scriptures I could say, but I think the underlying idea is that God is faithful and we can trust him. Yeah, I love that. I love and that. I know my dad's favorite verse. He yep. who began a good work is will be faithful to complete it. That's Philippians one six. Yeah. So that is beautiful. And um thank you so much for being on my podcast and thank you so much for sharing your story so candidly. And we will see you all next time on my